Good day, bikers. Jimmy here reminding you to stay tuned at the end to listen to a fantastic promo from The Game Master and Me, an AP podcast consistently proving that you don't need a whole team of adventurers to have fun. Be sure to follow them on Twitter, at the GM and me. Speaking of solo adventures, tonight's episode sees Dee going it alone in the first of our preludes to the season one finale. Now, a quick heads up with regards to content. In today's little story, between minutes 35 and 55, Dee finds themselves neck deep in what can only be described as psychological warfare. The scene in question is very hyper-realistic and the contents of said warfare is only ever implied. Detailed descriptions are practically non-existent. If you would like to know more before tuning in, you can contact me on Twitter at Brits underscore bikes. Our DMs are always open. Or you can drop me an email at jimmy at britsonbikes.com. Right, that's enough from me. Time to vault your velocipedes and see what D is getting up to. Let's get on with the show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 18 of Brits on Bikes. My name is Jimmy Sprinkles, and with me this evening is Eve. Hey, yeah. Yes, that's right. We are doing another solo adventure. We are getting ever so close to the grand finale of season one. Things have really started hotting up. So, yeah, I'm getting really excited to see where this is going to go. Do you want to give us a quick recap from Dee's perspective? Because obviously you guys split up in last episode. So there's there's two very, very different stories kind of taking place for you. Yeah, so um, as of last episode, Dee went around, uh, skipped school, and went to go work on her fire bat. That didn't really work out. Um, no. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, I told, told, uh, told Cassie about, like, the whole... Cassie or Casey? Cassie. Cassie Pinion. Like, That's what I thought. Told, told Cassie about, like, you know, the whole uh, Victor Wallace thing. Not, not all the specific details, but just to be like, you know, hey... Maybe, maybe don't be afraid of riling some stuff up. Instead of having a wicked sweet fire bat, Dee went ahead and picked up a pipe, just because, you know, it's a heavy hunk of metal. Then, yeah, uh, got changed, uh, met up with Sally, went out to the, uh, to, uh, the nook and cranny. I actually remember the name of the bar. Yay! And... We got there, uh, had a little, like, I was all dressed up in, like, a fancy suit and a hat and talking with my just absolutely exquisite British <laughs> accent. <laughs> uh, pulled, pulled, uh, Veronica aside. Veronique. Veronique. Pulled her aside and had, like, a nice little chit-chat with her about, like, you know, Keeping an eye out and everything because she didn't seem like she was interested there. I don't think Dee got much headway in that conversation because I don't think she was that interested in what I had to say either. Yeah, ended up uh, 
thrown into the bar, yada yada. There's some shenanigans, listening about some big fella I'd never seen before with his mom was up on stage. Let's see. One point, uh, Aaron saw her running outside, chased her down. She was all mad, talking about wanting to just like bounce and screw the town. Managed to talk her out of that. Mm-hmm. Boy, a lot happened last episode. Loads happened last episode. Yeah. So, like, we come back, they're having, like, the whole uh, meeting, you know, talking about how everything's going to change. Miss Neeps is in charge of, like, a, a pseudo-SS. And yeah, I mean, let's not be around a bush. It was, like, the Marsh Haven equivalent of a Nuremberg rally. Yeah, yeah, no, like, this, like, <laughs> just super fascist. <laughs> um... Yeah, I uh, sat down with uh, Thistledown, and like, we had a tense little stare-off slash mm-hmm. kind of conversation. Wasn't exactly comfortable. We'll see where that goes. And uh, yeah, it uh, looks like some big, big stuff's happening next week. Mm-hmm. So what's happening next week? Uh, they are having another rally and like everyone's supposed to bring all the evil things from society you know like movies and books and comics and skateboards yep indeedy okay so yeah that's that's pretty much it obviously victor wallace is is getting things organized and is is making sure oh there is something that you haven't haven't mentioned what about your dear guardian no, he was at the meeting. I didn't... Yeah, he was. I I was so distracted with Thistledown, I forgot to ask, like, what his reaction seemed to be. Oh, well, if you didn't see, then yeah. I can't tell you. Well, I mean, he's going to spend all week with them anyway, so... Okay, alright. So, can I just double-check? Where did we finish up last week? Uh, honestly, I think we... Ended it with like a thistle down walking out of the bar, and we were just processing. That's right. So yeah, so you'd left, you'd left the bar, you'd met up with Sally, and that was the end of it. Okay. Yeah. So what we're gonna do is we are going to start on Monday morning. Quite a few things have taken place over the weekend that you will need to know about. So how was practice? Cricket practice. Yeah. Roll flight for me. Flight. Six. You had a pretty satisfactory cricket practice. Coach is still, you know, on board and he's kind of warm to you. I can see that you have potential. Obviously, you're 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 doing training for for most of the day, but afterwards you decide to go around to see Sally, and this is the first big major event because you discover that Sally has been grounded. Hmm. Um, you arrive at the door, and Mrs. Richards tells you that Sally was in far too late on Friday night, and she has politely requested that you stay away from my daughter. Oh. Oh, come on. 
right? So she slams the door in your face. <laughs> I think D just kind of does that thing where, like, you just stand there, like, mouth agape, like, one eye's kind of squinting, and, like, what? What? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> okay, so the next thing that you learn, and again, this happens because you, you're, you're walking through town on the Saturday. You realize that there is a very definite presence around town of the community guard yeah definite presence of fascists yeah people (laughs) have been really riled up by the meeting on the friday and there seems to have been some kind of organization taking place and there are people quote unquote patrolling the town can you make a grit roll for me please i'm good at those Oh, baby, that's a 19. You're 99.9% certain that there isn't just a presence around town. You would go so far to say that you think you're being followed by the community guard. Well, I'm on a bike, so unless they're running. As you look around, you know, you're not seeing... It seems like they're, like, in general... They seem to turn and look at me while I'm going. Absolutely. You know, it's never the same patrol. It's always different people. But like when you come into view of the community guard, they are watching you like a hawk. Yeah, it's all eyes on D. Fun. I like that. As you notice this and you continue to travel through town, you also notice, surprise, surprise, Dickie Roberts has been uh, working his magic and there have been posters popping up all over town for what it seems like they're calling the purge pageant that's not horrible sounding at all (laughs) i know right this that's totally normal thing (laughs) so you know all the details already it's happening on the saturday it's happening over on the marsh, people are being invited to bring things that they feel are representative of destroying the core values of Marsh Haven with them to burn. And there is a definite buzz in the air about this purge pageant. You also see several other posters and banners around the place. Can you make a brains roll for me? I can certainly try to. Four. Oh, one. Five. You only needed a four, to be honest. So there are banners dotted all around in very prime locations around Marsh Haven that are what you know to be, because obviously you were there, sound bites of Victor Wallace's speech on the Friday. Um, You see lines like, a new world is just over the horizon. Our focus should be on the community. Guide us away from the darkness. The community guard, our strong right arm. And (laughs) come on, guys, this is very odd. The Nazis were only 30 years ago. This is super (laughs) obviously fascist. That's because adults are morons, aren't they? Oh my god, they're so stupid. Even these, like, these not that smart, but these just like this. This is like this is like the Nazis, right? <laughs> but that no, see the thing is, like Dickie's been a little bit clever in so much that, so for example, the community guard, our strong right arm, because 
emblazoned next to the poster in in very victorious poses are Mr. and Mrs. Neep. <laughs> As if to say that they are the strong right arm of uh, the community guard. Um, so by putting these well-known figures around town in, people are identifying with them. Dickie Roberts truly is the Goebbels of Marsh Haven. <sighs> Screw you, Dickie Roberts. You also notice that, that all of these posters and banners and whatnots are... Um, and actually, you see them on the lapels of, of some of the community guard. It seems like the Wallace School has taken the cross reeds emblem as, uh, as a symbol. We, we need a counter symbol. <laughs> okay, well, I'll let you think about that one. You can talk to Sally about that at some point. So final, final point for the weekend before we get on to Monday is that would Dee have a look at the newspaper, do you think? Um, let's see, uh... Depends. What day, what day are we talking? We're talking the Sunday edition. Yeah, well, in that case, yeah, do probably pick it up and look for the comics. You flip through the newspaper and it's it's impossible not to see most of this stuff, to be honest, because it's, it's emblazoned everywhere. It's almost like the Victor Wallace edition. Um, yeah, that, that'll a- probably distract thee a bit. There's a few things in there of note, though. So there's a report on the meeting that took place on the Friday and information on the on the Purge pageant. Frank Perkins has also written a piece informing the townsfolk about a curfew that's being put in place as of Monday. Residents will be expected to be in their homes by 830 for the week leading up to the pageant. This will allow the community guard an opportunity to patrol and assess the town and any problem areas. How, how long is this? Wait, they can't just institute a curfew. It was actually mentioned in the meeting last week that basically what they're doing is, and you do read about it, is that they have rushed through certain bylaws through the, the town council. I don't like that. Additionally, there has been one other bylaw that's been rushed through, and that has been to ban gatherings of more than five people unless officially sanctioned through licensing. You mean some fascist? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Any loiterers will incur on-the-spot fines, and additionally to that, bikers, whom the guard really seem to have it in for, will no longer be permitted to drive around in packs. I don't know what Cassie's going to think about that, but... <laughs> yeah, no, that that honestly seems like a very specifically targeted series of things for the disciples. Yeah, well, they've been raising hell, haven't they? So, I mean, these definitely been encouraging it, so... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that's where we are at the moment. Marsh Haven, in effect, has become a fascist state. Ah, awesome. Great. <laughs> that's, that's, that's always what you want to hear. Okay, so it's Monday morning and you wake up. Reminds me of home. <laughs> you wake up and, yeah, it's time for school. You know that you're not going to be able to meet Sally. Well, I mean, she's grounded. She's not staying home from school. Is well, she? well, that's true. That's true. Yeah, okay. She'd probably bump into her and just be like, this is bull. 
Okay, so what do you want to do first? Uh, I'm assuming is Thistledown still out? Well, you're at home at the moment. No, I thought we were going to school. Not yet. Well, he's probably going to go downstairs, get some breakfast, and... I don't know, like, what? what's the mood that I've been getting off of uh, Uncle Tommy? You haven't seen Uncle Tommy all weekend. Um, he's been leaving the house before you get up, and he's been returning quite late. Boy, that's buck wild. <laughs> when you get downstairs, you do bump into him, and this is the first time that you've seen him um, since the meeting on Friday. Hey, Uncle Tommy, where you been? Oh, hello, Dee. Um, and can I remind you that it's Thomas? Yeah, okay. So, um, what you been up to? Yeah, get yourself a girl or something? I've been, um, doing my part for the community. Oh, you actually bought into that crap? Can you please refrain from using such language, Derek? Don't call me Derek. Please. And tuck your shirt in. Mm, this is Eve having so much trouble. <laughs> Dee's definitely doing that internally. Yeah, okay. Dee does it. It's just frowning. Is there a problem? Oh, no, no, no problem. Just like, uh, just, uh, whole town. Zoom two, go. Walk wild all at once. It's fine. It's it's so good, you know. Nothing, nothing bad is ever like this. Is yo ever happened before? No, no, nothing bad's ever gonna come out of this. Nope. Can you make a grit roll for me? Making a grit roll. Sixteen, baby. Oh, more than enough. You scan over uh, Uncle Tommy. Uh, Sorry, Uncle Thomas. <laughs> and uh, you notice that he too is wearing the Reed lapel badge Ugh. of the community guard. Don't even get me started. Mm-mm. Oh, what if they told him to keep an eye on her too? Spooky. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to probably just stand around awkwardly for a moment before we like, We'll go get some breakfast. Well, hurry up. You need to be at school. You've got a busy day in front of you. Yeah? I do? Is there something I should know about? Or is this just like, uh, oh, school, so busy? Make another grit roll for me. Oh, boy. Oh, yay. It's 11. It's getting steadily worse. Uncle Thomas looks at you in a way that suggests that he might know something, but it's only a fleeting thought. It's nothing that stands out to you. Yeah, okay. He does that, like, slowly backing out of the room while staring at Uncle Tommy. Oh, and, um, Derek, um, please, um, please don't forget that you need to be back here by 8.30 tonight. There is a curfew on. If you're found outside after the curfew, you could be in a lot of trouble, young man. Do I make myself clear? Because it won't just be me. Yeah, okay. He nods curtly and gets on with whatever he's doing. So yeah, uh, Dee is going to eat breakfast, then 
very seriously decide, like, think about just, like, skipping school and laying low in the last post. Because things are definitely super sketchy, and she's probably gonna be dead next week, so... <laughs> um, but, he's tough. He's tough. Gonna at least try to tough it out today. You head off out into the street, and you start... Do you normally make your way towards Sally's? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. So... As you're walking towards Sally's, you see Sally's mum drive past, and you can see Sally in the window. She looks out at you as she goes it past. Does, does that really sad thing where, like, the hand goes up on goes the up. window? <laughs> and he's just like, oh no, oh, this is crap, this sucks. In the words of Barbara Streisand, we've only just begun, baby. He's <laughs> gonna have to start a regime. <laughs> That's not the word. Uh these kind of snaps um um revolution. Alright, yeah, going to school. Okay, so you head off to school. Alright, so with all the things that have been going on, you've kind of dragged your feet a little bit, so yeah, yeah, like you go riding to school, just kinda like take my time keeping an eye out on everything. Like I said, he's he's very paranoid right now. Can you make another grit roll for me then? Making another grit roll. Oh, that's an 18. I'm rolling hot. Yes, you are. You're still getting that feeling that the the community guard are watching Sounds you. about right. They're still about. All right, so you get to school just as the bell goes. So you, you, you haven't got time to stop in the hall for catch-ups with anybody or anything like that. You go straight into class. The moment you step through the door, Mrs. Nocturne turns to look at you. You can see Sally's already sat in place and she's looking up eagerly at you to try and communicate something, but you don't even have time to get to your place. Mr. Nocturne says, Derek, you need to go and see Mr. Cups. Why? Um, he's just requested a meeting with you. Who's Mr. Cups? Is that the, pr- the principal? Yeah, he's the headmaster. Oh, okay. I didn't do anything. <laughs> uh, I guess I'm going to go get detention. Well, you have to go over there and find yeah, out. Yeah, he's... Going over there, back to dragging her feet. Okay, so you head over to Mr. Cup's office. Now, the office itself is just next to the assembly hall. It's walled off, and you have to go through a door, and through the door, and you come into a small reception area where there is two additional offices, one belonging to Mr. Cups and one belonging to the assistant head. As you arrive there, Mr. Cup's secretary recognizes you and says oh yes mr cups this is expecting you if you could just hang your bag up on the peg for me please and and just go on in okay hanging it up on the peg walking in as you get in mr cups office has his main desk but there is also a long table for meetings and sat there is mr cups and a handful of other students you recognize all of them They're all fairly well-known students in the school. And this is where I'm just going to stop for a second because I've decided to nickname these kids the Rapscallions, all right? Oh, boy, the troubled teens. (laughs) They're going to be perfect to grow in with you and Sally if we ever have guests. Oh, awesome. so I, I don't know when, but I started writing these characters. I was like, oh, my God, I love them all. (laughs) They're just brilliant. All right, so let me tell you who you see. 
First up is twins, Morgan and Diane Enfield. They are known as the school activists. Despite being celebrated for their fundraising abilities, they are constantly getting into trouble with staff for their outspoken views, Hell particularly yes. when they feel that more marginalised students are being oppressed. Hell yeah. They have been particularly high profile since reading The Female Eunuch and championing the cause of feminism. Next to them is Trevor Croft. Trevor's 13 years old. He's the typical class clown, popular with his peers and loathed by anyone over the age of 16. Trevor currently holds the record for most visits to Mr. Cups in one day, which is five. Damn, man after my own heart. <laughs> I was writing this and I was like, this is a heist movie right here. <laughs> <laughs> right, so third up is Danielle Duguid. Danielle is the niece of Reverend Duguid and is regularly forced to participate in whatever community activities the Reverend puts on with her family. As such, Danielle is a big ball of resentment and frustration and has a tendency to lash out at everyone. Despite not being at the school long, as she's only in the first year, Danielle has already earned herself the reputation of school rebel. Hell yeah. Next is Jeff Swain. Jeff is known as the Contraband King. If you're in need of sweets to make a bad day better, a packet of stink bombs to cut short your science test, or a note from your mum excusing you from cross-country running, Jeff is your man. Keep that one in mind. And finally, to uh, round off this motley band of rapscallions, is Veronique Credule. They all turn as you walk through the door, and Mr. Cups looks at you and says, Ah, Dee, please have a seat. Uh, yeah, thank you for introducing me to the rebellion. <laughs> <laughs> Make another grit roll for me. I did not say that out loud. <laughs> Eleven. You appraise Mr. Cups as he invites you in, and he seems slightly chippier than his usual monotonous yeah, self. Yeah, no, because we're all going to be sacrificed to a, a, a devil god. So... <laughs> and because you hit over a ten, you can also see a few pamphlets from the Wallace School of Enlightenment on his desk, and you also notice that he too is wearing the Crossreads badge. Yes. Okay, is there anything you want to say before? Uh, I'm just gonna like, be like, uh, well, it, it clearly looks like you're busy, so I'm gonna go ahead and duck out here. Um, oh no, D, you are, you're, you're, you're part of this, this is an important meeting. Uh, crap. Um, well. <laughs> Alright! <laughs> this isn't bad at all. You sit down with the other children, and he looks at each of you in turn, and he says, First of all, let me put your minds at ease. You are not in any trouble for a change. And he chuckles at his own joke. Far from it, in fact. You seven have been selected for an exciting opportunity. A chance to work on the very cutting edge of pedagogic practice. What? As from today... You will no longer be participating in your usual lessons. Question. I'll take questions at the end. If I could just um, explain everything that's going on first. Okay. You can see that at the thought of not having lessons, the rest of them seem to have brightened up a little bit. Yeah, that D thinks is sh 
<laughs> I mean, he thinks this is poop. You have been chosen to trial a new cross-curricular project courtesy of the Wallace School of Enlightenment, a seven-step program designed to embed you with the skills and core values you will need to lead an ordered and productive life. Step one begins today, and it's known as an uneducation. <laughs> no! <laughs> he laughs and he says now i know that might seem a little strange my saying that and my being a teacher and all but once you understand the seven steps it all makes a little bit more sense the school's philosophy uh, I, and i mean the wallace school of enlightenment's philosophy is that in order to accept this new way of thinking one must first of all unlearn some of your um bad habits You'll be freeing up your mind to make way for a better way of living. Over the course of the next few weeks, you will be undertaking a wide range of mini-projects under the mentorship of numerous experts in their field, including Mr. Wallace himself. Wait. Jimmy, <laughs> are you sending me to a re-education camp? Um... <laughs> I'm not sure if you're laughing or crying now. A little bit of both. <laughs> Carry on, I'm sorry. As he finishes, the door opens again, and who should walk in but the Reverend Dugard. Morning, children, morning. He's still got his weird new persona going on, his paisley shirt, his unruly tufts of jungly chest hair sticking out the top, his lank grey hair and, and this weird little beard that, that just doesn't suit him at all. And he says, oh, good morning, children. I, so I, I, I trust I trust Mr. Cups has told you all about uh, all the good news. Yeah, no, no, thanks. I'm, I'm good. I'd better just keep doing my own thing. Oh no, you don't understand. I'm going to be your mentor today. This is just going to be an introductory session just to explain to you how things are going to work in the forthcoming future. I'm good. Mr. Cups looks over at you and he says, Dee, I'm afraid it's not an option. All of you have been selected based on your profiles and we have received permission slips from your parents and guardians to go ahead with trialling this new curriculum. I'm not comfortable. <laughs> I'm feeling really hot right now. Well, maybe we should maybe we should leave the office then because it is a bit stuffy and it's it's not really designed for this many people. Uh, the Reverend gestures you out the door. Okay, gotta grab my bag. Oh no, you won't need your bag, Dee. Just 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 come on through. I, I um, don't need... want it to get lost, Scott. It will be fine here. You can come and collect it at the end of the day. And he ushers you out of the door. But my bag. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know GM you thought know, of everything. <laughs> I know you know. <laughs> I know that you're sending me to a re-education camp without my weapon. I was writing this this morning. I was like, this is getting dark. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Okay. So the seven of you and the Reverend Dugard head to a classroom. Is there anything you would like to do on the way? Uh, yeah. No, these, these definitely... Very twitchy, desperately looking for an exit, and there's very clearly none because this is a brutalist hellscape. It's almost like it was designed that way. Oh, I noticed. The Reverend brings you to a small classroom just the other side of the assembly hall. You are all invited in and you are all instructed 
to go and sit at your own table. So it's just like a long table for two, but just with one chair there for you to sit at. There's two columns of you. Do you, do you take to the back? <laughs> Clo- closest to the door. No problem at all. As you get in and you go to sit in your seat, you realise there's also somebody else in the room. The sat on the chair, like right in the corner behind the door, is a large burly man who you recognise as Tony, one of Nana Casper's um, workers at Tim's DIY, who you met several nights ago. Nana Casper's in on this too. Sprite in it for the money. I'm not done with Nana Casper yet. (laughs) I've got far more fun things for her in store. I think she could be a good ally for you guys. That's that's what I'm hoping too. So (laughs) hopefully this is just a, she hasn't grasped the full nature of the situation. That or this is all part of her devious plan. So you sit down, you notice that there is one thing in the room that is completely different that you've never, ever seen before. Mounted on the ceiling is a box. It looks really, really out of place. And on the box, on the four sides, are four lenses. And attached to the bottom of the box is a long, narrow box, which comes almost down to the floor. You would say it's probably about the width of two matchboxes. Yeah, I think these just going to be like, just immediately point that out and be like, what's that? The Reverend explains to you that it's, it's a device um, invented by Mr. Wallace and acts as an aid to what we call sensory realignment. Uh, <laughs> no! Over the course of the next few hours, you will be the subject of a radical new learning delivery called immersive morality technique. Should you complete today's session then you will be rewarded. However, any attempt to resist or sabotage will result in severe sanctions. Sanctions? What? What? Jeff puts his hand up and he says, "Uh, what kind of reward are you talking about? The Reverend says, I'm glad you are. Well, (laughs) for starters, this project has been funded and supported quite generously. So to begin with, you will each receive five pounds. If you complete today's session. Oh, that's mean. That's mean for the delinquents. Just do a quick roll to see who buys into it. So. What are the sanctions? Five people. All their eyes light up at the thought of receiving five pounds, which is a ton of money for a kid in the 70s. Yeah, no, that's ridiculous. We barely scrounged together four. Like, between me and Sally, and those are like our life fucking savings um these <laughs> just going to ask again what are the sanctions oh dear you don't have to worry about those uh, sorts of things we're not going to get to that point a are fucking, we a brainwashing machine here what are the sanctions it's not a brainwashing machine you've been watching far too much logan's okay. run well i mean if it's not that concerning then you can tell me right like, this, uh, this is fine. It's fine. You can just tell me what the sanctions is. The sanction will be that you will have to return to do this session again and again and again until you sit through it properly. Okay. All right. You know what? Let's do this. 
So the Reverend walks over to the desk and he picks up a uh, a small textbook and he's dithering around like the inept idiot that he is, flicking through it. You can you can plainly see you're that used to it now that this is clearly some kind of Wallace School textbook. He begins by reading to himself whilst circling all of you, and then he moves over to the windows that line one side of the the classroom, and he pulls down the blinds. Make another grit roll for me. Oh, this is bad. Ah, that's a 16. You realise that what he's doing is he's almost enacting instructions from this textbook. So everything that, that he's doing is being told to him by this book. He then proceeds to walk over to the desk and he opens the lid of a portable record player that sits on the desk. He switches it on puts the needle onto the record and outblasts one of the biggest rock hits of the year. Life has many choices, every road has its turns. The road you take just may define you. I took the wrong road and I suffered bumps and You all know it. It's your favourite all-time song of recent years. What is it? Tell me. I don't know. Unconstitutional. Screw it. There we go. Okay. <laughs> this incredible rock song, and like everybody instantly recognises it, and you can see everyone just jamming along to it. Yeah, D, D, I think D knows what's coming. They're gonna, they're gonna brain screw us into hating it. <laughs> As the music starts playing and, and, and the kids all start listening, the Reverend nods over at the gentleman sat just behind the door and he walks around the room and you now realise there's a few other things mounted on the ceiling because he starts to draw down a series of screens on every single wall of the classroom. Ugh. <laughs> You can see that the machine mounted to the ceiling. Now that you've seen the screen, you've put two and two together. It kind of looks like one of those slide projectors that teachers usually do boring presentations on, but it's got like four different sides to it. Make a brains roll for me. Uh, two. <laughs> you still have no idea what the big, long, narrow box is in the middle. However, you do see a long cable going to the desk and Mr... Oh, sorry, Reverend Duguid seems to be holding some kind of clicky device, which you know to be something that changes, um, moves slides forward. Your eyes are suddenly drawn to the door as you hear it slam shut and the door locks. Tony has locked the door and you can see him through a narrow window sat outside the door. Uh, that's not suspicious at all. It's all fully sanctioned. By the fascists! To do the fascist stuff! As he, as he locks the door, the Reverend turns up the music a little bit louder. And you begin to see a series of images on the four sides of the classroom. It starts with images that you associate with the music being played. There are 
concert photos of notable acts like Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, Foghat, Deep Purple. And these are crossed with abstract psychedelic images that would be popular at the time. You know the kind of stuff that I mean, yeah? Yeah. You see images of crowds at the concerts roaring their approval. And then you see fans of the music dressed in the style of the genre that's been played. And then you begin to see the same fans rioting. You see images of the mods and the rockers over in Brighton a few years before. You see people hurling bricks at the police. And these riots then slowly but surely turn into protests, conflicts, wars. Slowly but surely, over time, these images become more and more graphic as time moves on. Now, at this point, what I'm going to say is because I'm not really in the in the business of describing horrifically graphic yeah. things. What I'm going to say is I want you to imagine the most depraved, most unpleasant, most disgusting, most emotionally scarring thing that, that Dee could possibly see. That is what you're seeing right now. Jesus, that's f***ed up. This can't yeah, be Yeah, I told you it was getting dark. This can't be legal. I don't think Uncle Tom <laughs> of course is it off on this. Right, okay. So, this is how this is going to work. Because over the period of time, you see people break. You see people utterly in shock, bored by it. The Reverend, however, has placed a screen in front of the record player. So... His vision is minimalized. All you can see is his hand clicking and moving slide to slide to slide to slide to slide to slide. And it just keeps on going. And they, you know, and sometimes they happen quickly and sometimes they slow right down. Sometimes you're left to linger on an image. And you can see that this is affecting people in a manner of different ways. Um, How's D reacting to this? Uh, D is trying to not focus on the images themselves. I know it's hard because they're everywhere. But yeah, trying not to focus on those. Instead, focusing on like the people around, trying to trying to uh, trying to sort out like how to get out of this because this is very bad. This is very bad. People are getting hurt and. I need to stop it. I am now going to run something kind of akin to a skill challenge. Alright? Okay. So, this goes on for four hours. I don't think D would sit here for four hours. You are going to be permitted one action per hour to do whatever you would like to do. The only rule is you cannot use the same skill twice. Okay. So I just want you to have a little think about that, okay? I will say to you that the music is playing quite loudly. The only time it stops is when the song ends. And the Reverend doesn't put on another song. It's the same song over and over and over again. How are you feeling in the first hour? All right, um, how, how gruesome 
has it gotten? It's unpleasant. It's you know, it's it's we're we're in we're in Clockwork Orange territory with this. Okay, so so like it it went from zero to holy. No, okay, so it's, it didn't. It's, 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 been... it's not to the nasty. Yeah. No, the first the first hour, you're you've, you've seen a definite change in tone, but it's yeah. not it's not real nasty. Okay. Um. Does does anybody look like they're having like a particularly hard time? Um. Let's have a look. All right. So Diane Enfield, one of the twins, she's kind of cotton on to the fact that this isn't quite what she expected. And she has gone deathly white. She's starting to look a little bit nervous. I mean, it's, it's affected people in very different ways. I mean, like some people at this stage are still kind of like, what's what's going on? Yeah, they're you know, just what's what's happening? Why are we watching this? Like, because at the end of the day, I mean, like World War Two has n- not long happened. There has been footage seen and been published in papers that. It's not, you know, it, it certainly isn't the gruesome stuff, but it certainly shows, you know, things like prisoners of war, you know, who are deathly thin and that kind of thing. Um, so, so yeah, um, some people are probably a little bit more desensitised to it than others, but Diane in particular is looking looking very, very pale. Ah, um, so, yeah, uh, do you just kind of, like, try to uh, lean over just, uh, just close your eyes, look down at your desk, alright? Get through this, okay? As you start to talk, she turns and she looks at you. There's not a huge amount of recognition, but she listens to the sound of your voice. Are you making a... Yeah, I'm just going with the charm. I'm not I'm not good at it, but like, this is still early on. He isn't quite... Doesn't quite know what they're in store for, so not not taking the drastic actions yet. Okay. Oh! You hit one. one. This is a bad dice. I'm putting it away. <laughs> As you begin to talk, it kind of uh, snaps Diane out of whatever it is she's thinking, and the the sound of your voice, coupled with the music and the images, is just a little bit too much for her to handle, and she throws up. Oh no! Oh, that makes me feel bad. I mean, it's not its not hideous. She's managed to kind of hurl just on the floor. And as she does so, a couple of the students turn around and you just hear a sing-songy voice from the Reverend saying, Stay where you are, children. They're just going to make you stay there with like, the puke and stuff? I said, stay where you are. You need to complete your task. This is such a... Are you saying that out loud? Yo, that's great. Yeah, this is such... <laughs> D. Wilson, any more of that language and I will be failing you immediately. Now I suggest the rest of you stay in silence. What happens if I fail? You'll just have to come back and you'll have to do it again and again and again. Oh, you bet your ass these failed this <laughs> So we get into hour two. The Reverend has asked for silence, but there's more than silence now. Um, there's a 
there's a stillness in the air. There's none of the usual classroom fidgeting. Things have taken a decidedly more darker tone and everybody in the group is now fully aware this isn't right. This is the point where I was having trouble coming up with something specific. Like later on, I think that's when these, because I've got two drastic actions planned. <laughs> I don't know what to do in this part because they kind of cleared away the whole, oh hey, you're you're not going anywhere What with the puking, because I was going to ask if I could go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> um... See, I, I think at this point Dee's just Dee is just doing everything in their power to just tune it out. Just not focus on it. Um, I don't know, I'm thinking that's like a, a grit type thing. Uh that would be a grit roll. Do you wanna take your grit now then? Yeah. Okay, roll grit for me. Oh my god, it's a seven. <laughs> you manage to hold fast what do you do in order to prevent yourself from being too engrossed by the images that you're seeing uh the idea is closing their eyes and looking down just kind of like clenching their fists and just being like i am creative i can do anything i am creative i can do anything just do it doing the mantra uh, that let her do magic in the first place to just try and keep focused on that. <laughs> Alright then, no problem. So yeah, you managed to hold your own and actually a quick glance around the room will see that you are probably doing better than everybody else in this room at the moment. With the possible exception of Trevor, who still there's elements of him trying to look quite blasé, but his body language and his face aren't, aren't matching up at all. Yeah, he's, he's kind of got like a that front. happy foot going on. Yeah, totally, totally. So, which brings us into our three. Things have started to get nasty. You know for a fact that the types of things you're seeing now may happen in films that you're too young to watch. But have definitely watched. <laughs> yeah, you can see that people are really beginning to suffer. Diane has lost complete control and is just kind of quietly sobbing and her sister is trying to comfort her. And she too looks the same ghostly colour. Danielle is, she's kind of like sort of pushed her chair back and she's drawn her, her knees up um, so that her feet are perched on the edge of the chair. And she's just, very, very still. Is is the record player plugged in? You can't see where the record player is plugged in. You can see a cable. Uh, you can see it going underneath the Reverend's desk. Okay, in that case. Uh, yeah, I want to try to uh, sneak up while while it's playing and just just try to disrupt it like pop that needle off and just like briefly just just 
just a minute of respite while he's like Okay, so you're sneaking, are you? So this is going to be your flight, is it? Yeah, this is going to be my flight. With this, are you sneaking up to stop the music, or are you sneaking to try and get out? Sneaking to stop the music. Have a okay. ditch, everyone. All right, so so the Reverend is behind the screen. He's he's clicking away. So it's possible that you might be able to disrupt for a moment. Yeah, just, just a pause. Get him to stop clicking the damn thing and stop the music for a few seconds so people can, like, sort their heads out real quick before it starts up again. Okay, can you make a flight roll then for me, please? Uh, that's two. I am... Oh, I kind of want to save those. I'm assuming I'm going to need... A fair chunk of my tokens. Yeah, okay, I'm, I'm gonna save those. Okay, you begin to edge your way out of the chair, and you step further and further forward, edging your way as best you can. At this point, the others in the room have locked eyes with what you're doing and are kind of engrossed in that and in fact that is enough of a reaction to make them wonder what you're up to and to get their minds off the images on the screens good. there was no way you were ever going to be able to get to the desk without the reverend spotting you mm. um, and after just a few paces he lowers the screen and peers over the top of it and he looks at you and he says i think i've had quite enough of your behavior d wilson you have failed today's session. Not only that, you are now responsible for everybody's failure in today's session. So we all have to start right back at the beginning oh, tomorrow that's... morning. That's not... Okay, yep, we're going into drastic territory. I don't even think that we need... <laughs> we can go into hour four if you want. It's your call. Okay, well, no, well, what's your reaction? What, what do you want to do? This will be your final action. If you, know you want to take it in hour three, go for I'm it. I want to take it in hour three. He, he says that. Now, you said this box coming out of the machine. Yeah. It's very long and very narrow, and it goes nearly to the floor, right? The second he says that, I'm, I'm just picturing D was walking up, got up about next to the machine. Mm-hmm. D's just going to, like, turn and look at the machine walk back to their chair, grab it, just pick it up and just full-on baseball swing at the uh, machine with it. Hmm, uh, that would be a brawn roll, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Do we get my plus three for baseball? Probably not. <laughs> no, do you know what? I'm going to give it to you. Sweet. Ooh, I got an eight. Is that an explosion? Yes. And a three plus my three, so that would be a fourteen, and I will slap as many other tokens in as I need because I've got eight right now. Okay, so I'm I gonna. Just, I just want to wreck this thing. You rip the longer, narrower box off the machine, and you just take a massive swing at it. It crashes and and flickers and falters and just goes dead. Yeah, I'll see you tomorrow, Webland. <laughs> At which point, 
Tony comes bursting through the door and the Reverend says, take him up to see Mr. Cups. And Tony slowly approaches you. Ah, uh, I'm very oh, I don't know if I should run or not. You know what? I'm, I'm gonna try. He's gonna try to bolt. Okay. <laughs> because, no, this is, this is, this is just, this is beyond the pale of just pure evil nonsense. No, we can't do this. D tried to play along. It's not happening. <laughs> So yeah, these go to try to try to uh, bolt bolt past Tony. Okay, uh, can you make a flight roll for me then, please? Ooh, all right, come on, come on, baby. Sweet stuff. We were rolling so good earlier. Uh, an eight. I'll put two more into it and turn it into a ten. Okay, tell me what happens. You you succeed. You succeed. You manage to bolt out the door. Okay. So what do you do? Uh, as as total like. He lets Tony get pretty close. I mean, Tony's big dude. Not picture him a particularly fast dude. So, yeah, like, D, D lets him get pretty close, and as he start to reach out, just do do that little, uh, that little juke, like, faint one side, and then drop down low, and dart around. So, I mean, this stuff that D does, D steals bases, you know? That's just kind of a thing. And then, yeah, just like out the door, dead sprint. No problem. Before you go, though, I'm going to ask you to make an additional grit roll. Okay. Jimmy. <laughs> Are you very gritty? D is pretty distracted and just getting rushed with adrenaline. I rolled a nat one. <laughs> That's absolutely fine. Then you don't see it and you are too focused on getting the hell out of there. I hope it was all the the uh, 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 radical teens just just deciding screw this we're out to. You dart off out of the classroom and you can hear as you go. Well, go on after him. What are you doing? Um, oh, no. I'm gonna have to ditch my bag. So yeah, I don't have any of my. Sh <laughs> oh my, my Lily. Um, yeah, these uh, these just booking it straight straight for the front doors. I'm gonna say that you manage to make it to the exit, no problem, because it's so quick, and you know, I mean, despite all this kind of weird <laughs> taking place. It's still just a school, you know, nobody's hit any sort of alarms or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I am going to say, though, as you go barreling out of the front door of the school, you smack into Malcolm Neep, who's just probably doing some jobs around the place, and he barrels over straight onto his ass, but you just keep on going. Screw you, Neep! <laughs> <laughs> All right, where do you want to go? Uh, grabbing my bike and I'm heading straight for Elysium. Okay, so you head over to the Elysium junkyard. Yep. This is, this is very bad, very bad stuff is happening. You cycle over to the Elysium. Um, I don't even have my mirror. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> you bastard. You cycle over to the Elysium. As you approach the entrance, though, some other people come into view. And you can see 
outside the junkyard are a patrol of community guard members. Ah, have they noticed me yet on approach? Not yet, no. And are they just like gathered around the entrance? They appear to be just kind of loitering at the moment, ironically. What, uh, what's like the fencing situation around? Cassie is super big on protecting her turf. These are some big hefty fences. It's chain link, but it's pretty high all the way around. The only real way in is the front entrance. I need to get them away from that, and I don't have any of my stuff. Ooh. Ooh, this is hard. Um, boy, who who could have guessed battling fascists is a pain in the butt? <laughs> um... What's the environment surrounding it look like? Like, what what are, what are my options for hiding? So, the junkyard is about half a mile from Seaview Terrace. You have got the coast on one side. I mean, it's it's not like the junkyard is right on the edge of the cliff. Yeah. But there's just scrubland leading towards the coast yeah, on if one you, if, side. Yeah, if, if, you, if you look out that way, you can see the ocean. Yeah, and then what you've got is fields, and I don't know why I'm pointing at it, because you can't see. Um, Yeah, so the junkyard is about here. Okay. This is all developed land around here, right? So there are housing shops, that sort of thing around here. Then over to here is you've got scrubland, which eventually, once you go off the map, leads into the marsh. And then down here, you've got Wyndham Woods. Uh, are there any trees hanging over this fence? No. You're smarter than that. I don't have a phone. I can't just call up, call up Casey and be like, hey, uh, go distract these guys so I can sneak in because uh, things are evil and bad. Where are you at this present time? Um, I think, I, I think I'm like ducked out of the way off the side of the road. I feel like I want to get as close as I can to them. Like, okay. ideally, like, towing my bike with me. And then, I don't know, just, like, take a rock and, like, huck it in the opposite direction. See if I can't get them to go over and look at it. You know, video game tactics. Okay, alright. So, the first thing I'm going to ask you to do, then, is you're going to need to make a... What did we use for sneak before? Grip. Flight. Or was it flight? Flight, yeah. So you're going to have to make it, a flight it, roll Yeah, it depends on like what kind of sneaking that we're doing. Yeah, you're, you're not really... Well, you, you, you're walking slowly and quietly, but you're not hiding around and doing parkour and stuff like that. So I would say this is... Yeah, this is flight. Um, so I've rolled a four. Okay. Um, that's not enough. I can add more. I've got six tokens. How many would you like to add? So, I mean, it doesn't look like they're like... It looks like they're just kind of dicking around, right? Yeah, they're not... I mean, they're not on guard or anything like that, but they, they are kind of aware of their surroundings. They are... You know, you yeah, can see so that I mean, much. I'm assuming that they're there to keep an eye on the disciples. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm going to put three into it. That will get you 30 yards without being spotted. 30 yards from them? 30 or, yards from them, yeah. Which is about roughly 30 yards from the gate, I'm assuming. There's a little bit of cover. Um, they are obviously looking 
into the junkyard yeah. um, most of the time. So you are able to shimmy around a little bit and find yourself 30 yards from, from the entrance. From there, I just want to like, pick up a decent-sized rock and just pitch it like a good uh, like a good ways away opposite of me okay can you make a brawn roll then and do i get anything for pitching it yes you do because it's a baseball sweet uh that means that that would be a nine or a ten actually because i get plus one to brawn in general okay so tell me what happens then well Ideally, all of them would go and investigate this big loud sound that just happened. I don't know. Maybe I hit some random trash can or something and a cat, like that classic cat scream happened. Tell you what I'm going to do is on roll 20, I am going to roll a d10 to see how many people are there. I hope it's not very many. (laughs) So there are three. So there's not a huge amount of them there. I'm now going to roll a d3. (laughs) (laughs) So one person hears it, and you see they're in no particular hurry. They just meander over to where they think they heard the sound. So you've got two people left. You're still 30 yards away. How how wide is this gate? Because I'm very tempted to just, like, blast into there, but I'm sure that 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 Casey and them will not like it if D draws that much attention onto them. It's a large gate. Obviously, it needs to be big to get large vehicles in there to pick up or drop stuff off. Can you make a grit roll for me? How does 10 do it for you? 10 will do it. Okay, so you're assessing the situation. You're looking, you know, specifically at the gate now, and you're trying to decide whether or not it would be a good idea to make a run for it. But you realize there's an an additional problem, and that's the fact that the gate is padlocked shut. Oh, that's the first time I've ever seen it shut. Ah, you you said, like, the fence surrounding it. It's it's not chain link or anything, is it? It's a chain link fence, yeah. Oh, it's a chain link? It was shit. What am I even doing? I'll just circle around and climb it. You're going to try climbing it? Yeah. Okay. Like, I'll just go around back and climb the fence. All right. Okay, no problem. It's chain link. That's the easiest fence to climb. Is it barbed wired? You can see uh, smatterings of barbed wire along the top. By smatterings, do you mean all the way around or is there gaps it's not like full-on like internment camp like large circles of barbed wire it's more like you know somebody's like stretched barbed wire out and put a few strands around the whole perimeter oh, okay well i mean that's that's climbable it's just a mild discouragement and slows you down yeah uh, yeah in, in that case yeah i'm gonna try to just like circle around back and okay. Yeah, just jump the fence. I, I, I'll leave my bike out there. I can get, like, like I don't know, weeds or snot rag to help me out by grabbing it Okay. later. You find yourself a suitable distance away from the patrol, and you make your way up the chain link fence. Can you make a... Uh, I guess it would be brawn roll for me. Hey, that's Nate, baby. 
And that's four, so that'll be a 13 total. You make it up, no problem. And with that roll, in fact, you'd even, you can even make it through the, the barbed wire without snagging yourself. So you, you hop awesome. down and you're in. That's good, because I'm wearing tiny shorts. <laughs> you hop into the Elysium junkyard. What do you want to do? Uh, you know what? Since since it's all closed off, I'm going. I'm still. I'm still sneaking. I'm still just laying low, just because like I don't know, like how many eyes exactly they've got on this place. I'm like yeah, I want to go to uh the caboose. So you head up to the carriage. It's locked. Uh, just that real quick, like uh tap 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 tap, and like a little under breath hiss, like. Hey, hey! No response. Freaking seriously? Uh, is there, uh, any, uh, any windows? Um, yeah, yeah, this carriage has windows. I'm trying looking in. You peer through. It's dark in there, but you can, you can make out that there's no one in the carriage whatsoever. I'm assuming, are there any motorcycles around? No. Oh, they found a new hideout and didn't tell me. Their youngest member. (laughs) (laughs) In fact, you don't see any motorcycles around. Make a brains roll for me. Jimmy. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's a four. That's two. Six. Okay. You do manage to spy an old pooch, which is like a little tiny almost like a motorized bicycle rather than a, a like a like a scooter or a, or a vespa or anything like that it's, it's it looks literally like a bike with a with a tiny little engine putt putt engine on it jimmy did you give um, me a motorcycle <laughs> i didn't i gave you a pooch <laughs> sick boy i hope cat i guess it doesn't get mad at me for stealing this because i'm stealing this yeah i'm gonna Totally snatch that puppy up. And I don't know. D doesn't know what to do right now. Uh, so, yeah, D's just going to uh, wheel that on over to um, to the last post. Okay. Yeah, D's holding up. Like, don't know right. what else to do. <laughs> D's very scared and confused. Okay, I'm just actually, I'm just going to send you a a copy of what this bike looks like. There you go. That is what you have got. God, that is sick. (laughs) I mean, yours is probably slightly more battered. Yeah, it's all rusted up and stuff. Definitely. But that's awesome. Hell yes. I want one of these. That's what I learned to ride motorbikes on. I say learn to ride motorbikes. That's what. That's probably the one experience I've had of motorbikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Are you kidding? This is gonna feel freaking sweet the first time that she gets to ride that. But that's not right now because we're hiding from fascists. So that's right. We are hiding from fascists. <laughs> this is not good because dude does not have any supplies, and we ate that garbage pie already. <laughs> you did eat the garbage pie. It's like it all led to this moment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, we're going to inventory. Okay. I want to run this by you. Okay. You don't have to say yes. But, last episode, when D went to make the bat, after it failed, 
They left it unfinished and like partially put together in the last post. You left the innards, but I... Th- uh, no, 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 no. I, oh, I said oh. I left the bat and I took yes, the pipe. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Yeah, no, you're right. Yep, so, your bat's so, still there. Okay, cool. Yes. All right. So, we got a weapon. And we got, we got the pipe. We got two weapons. <laughs> this is a good start. It's just like, right. How do I fight fascists? <laughs> this is getting really post-apocalyptical. <laughs> these, these, I'm not gonna lie, these pretty put together person normally, little bit panicked because they did kind of smash property right in front of two adults, and then uh, made a quip, uh, sprinted out of school. You're probably going to get accused of assaulting Mr. Neep. <laughs> um, and is now hiding in a junkyard with a stolen motorcycle. Uh, Best game ever. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, D is like, okay. Um, this is bad. But I've got two weapons. They're both just blunt objects. Okay. We are gonna, um... Oh boy. I guess I live in a junkyard now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, okay. Um, I guess these just gonna start planning. Don't know what else to do. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're We're taking this fight to the fascists. All right, so we gotta prep our weapons. We gotta prep equipment montage. <laughs> equipment montage. Okay, we're, ready the cabbage launcher. We're working on the fire bat. We're 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 building armor. <laughs> There's like a like a classic kind of blacksmith yeah, like, yeah, shot exactly. of you just hammering stuff, not yeah. for any particular reason. <laughs> it's it's there's nothing hot going on like the metal's not heated <laughs> hitting it with hitting it with that pipe for no reason no reason <laughs> I'm trying I'm trying to shape a hunk of metal in for, for like a breastplate or something it's it's not working all right then make a brains roll first of all you're so mean to me <laughs> It's a one, is it? It's a one. <laughs> okay, okay. It's not the end of the world. I know. It's I've got all week world. where I won't be hiding in the junkyard. What you managed to come up with is you find an old metal dustbin, and you think, with your amazing brains roll, that you could probably bash a few holes in it and wear it like a <laughs> like a, a suit of armor. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yes, we're doing he's <laughs> doing real good. We're a trash can. <laughs> Step one. Complete. Okay. Um yeah, so yeah, I'm not even gonna ask you to roll. You can make holes in this in this metal can now and I'm you can impervious to damage. I wouldn't say impervious, but I w- I will give you an armor point for it. Sick. I'm assuming that just gives me a bonus when somebody hits me. 
Yep. Cool. Okay, I will mark that down. Uh, trash can armor. Okay, so we got that. Um, working on weapons. Boy. Um, we need food. I'm gonna be stuck here. Water. And my dog. <laughs> yeah, again, Nettles is nowhere in sight. Uh, toes, I can't send you out to look. Because A, that'd be suspicious. And B, you turn into a pile of socks. Toes just looks up at you with enthusiastic bewilderment. Uh, I pet that soggy sock dog. He kind of nods a little bit. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, uh, you know what? First things first. Since I need I need food, I need water, I am going to go back to the caboose and Cass is gonna be mad. I think she'll understand once D explains the whole it's because of fascists thing. Uh and just like take 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 the pipe and just like smash the window in with it try to climb through yep you take the pipe and you smash the window can you make a grit roll for me please it's a five as you smash the window you suddenly become very aware of some shouting and as you turn around you can see that the patrol at the gate have seen you and they're shouting at you. Uh, the turtle's up in the in the trash yard. No, um, crap. What what are they doing? Are they just shouting and pointing? At the moment, yes. Does it look like they're trying to, like, open the gate or climb over, or? At the moment, one of them is stood at the gate and he's kind of shaking it. Okay, so they can't get in. Do you flip them the bird? And it's like, crap. Um, and then runs back to the last post. <laughs> Okay, so you head back to the last post. Yep, hiding it. Hiding. Hiding there. I was told that this place cannot be found. I am trusting that, and I know I shouldn't because it was told to me by an authority figure. Absolutely, it is your it is your safe haven. They will oh, not be able to find No, the no, I, I I know. I know. This this is what's going through Dee's head. <laughs> Once the heat dies down, Dee's gonna have to go out for food. I'm starting to get hungry, it's starting to get later in the day. Gonna have to sneak back out, so, uh, yeah. Unfortunately, I can't just take my sweet motorcycle and, I don't know, ramp the gate or something. Make a brains roll for me. This is two. You know that it is now approximately ten past eight. You have twenty minutes before the curfew comes into effect. J- Jimmy, we are way past... <laughs> <laughs> Past giving two flying craps about curfew, I smashed uh, school property and tackled a dude and ran away. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think D cares about uh, curfew at this point. Okay, well, I'm just making you aware, that's all. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we are going to pop that. Oh, boy, people don't even sell like water bottles. I'll have to get a hose. Tell me where specifically would you like to go? I'm gonna try to. I, w- I was going to say D D's D's not quite to the point of eating trash food, but D is literally eaten trash food on the <laughs> show before. Oh, garbage pie. 
Yeah. So that was a good pie. It, it was a very <laughs> good pie. So I mean, he's not above eating garbage food. Um, are there are there any restaurants nearby? Not around the vicinity of the junkyard. No. I mean, if you were to move further into the commercial area of town, you could probably find a few restaurants. All right. So yeah. He's gonna like find a home nearby, drink a bunch of water from hoses or something. Gotta full up on that, and yeah, gonna go see about figuring something out for the food situation. Okay, so you cycle. Are you are you hitting the roads? Yeah, I think he's taking the bike and like, but like uh, walking it. Okay, and trying right. still trying to stay low, stick to like the the back alleys and stuff. Can you make a flight roll for me, please? I I can. I didn't. I got a two. <laughs> can you take an adversity token, please? Okay. You managed to get yourself all the way down Upper Gerard Way and towards the commercial area of town. Once you get to that point, though, it becomes apparent that discretion is going to be difficult. You would say there are probably in the vicinity of 30, 40 people moving around that whole area. Jeez. There appears to be... Uh, make a brains roll for me. Out in force. Two. You remember that there was something supposed to be happening whilst everybody was on curfew, but you can't quite remember what it was, but... You can only assume that that's what's going on here now. What would you like to do? Gonna try to get food. Um, so I know all the shops are closed. I don't have my lockpicks, so I can't break in. These in survivalist mode right now, because like this is like okay, well this this is. I think these already resigned. To, well, that's my life now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just so, gonna be a crazy hobo, a cra- crazy combat hobo, uh, <laughs> saving the world from fascists. So yeah, you're gonna go, go steal from trash can behind like a, a hit, hit a dumpster behind the uh, some restaurant or the other. Okay, I'm gonna say that you managed to get yourself to a kebab shop. Oh, nice. This- Little individual bits of meat, like so you're not gonna have like half eaten stuff. It's just gonna be like, okay, well here's a skewer where they only ate half. Yeah, I mean you f- you find um a few scraps of meat, um oh, yeah. half a lettuce. So it's all passable, like doesn't completely reek, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, you you take some of the scraps of food. Work on getting some better stuff later, but you you need to eat to survive. So yeah. As you're coming out of the alley where the trash cans were, a voice rings out. Oi! You shouldn't be around here. There's a curfew, you know. Oh, my bad. I didn't know about that. I'll just be going. Uh, There are four figures walking towards you now. Getting on my bike and riding away. Okay, the moment that you start to get on your bike, these guys start running towards you. Um, can you make a flight roll for me, please? Don't let me... Guys, don't wear yourselves out. I'm going... I'm on my way home. Seven. <laughs> you managed to dart off very, very quickly. You're kind of on high alert now, so, you know, the moment you 
hear voices, you're ready to fly and you're kind of assessing your your best exit route as well. So you go tearing off through the town. Unfortunately, however, that's attracted the attention of some of the other patrols that are, are moving around systematically. And as you cycle down the road, you see right in front of you another group of people. What do you want to do? Um, I'm assuming like they're like in the middle of the road. And they're literally in your in your in your flight path. Any way to diverge around them? You could go off down down another road if you wanted to. Yeah, to the I left mean, the like right. that's the best that I can do. I gotta uh, swerve out of that way and like uh, cha- change plans, change plans. We're dodging and jiving. Yeah. Okay. This. Are you going left or right? Uh, I am going to go right. Oh. That's a good sound. (laughs) (laughs) You start swinging round to the right, and as you do, one of the patrol people picks up... What can they pick up? They can use as a projectile that won't kill you. They they hook their flashlight at D. Yes, thank you. So one of them hurls a flashlight at you, and it hits you square on the side of the neck, um, hitting a nerve, and you just spasm, and you lose control, and you come crashing off your bike. Ugh. Can you roll grit for me, please? Make this one of those good ones as well. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. Don't do that to me. That's an eight. You are dazed. You don't even have enough time or strength to get up. The patrol surround you, they take your bike, they take you by the arms, and they start marching you back home. Oh, okay, that's nice, they're taking me home. <laughs> but then again, Uncle Tom did sign me up for a brainwashing course. Fascist brainwashing. Okay, so as you get home, they don't talk to you at all. They are obviously are doing some kind of job. You don't know what. You get to Uncle Tommy, Uncle Thomas's house, and as you are marched up the path, um, the door opens and Thomas looms over you. I told you to be back at half past eight, didn't I, Dee? Yeah, well, you know, you signed me up to be brainwashed, so maybe I don't really care what you think. Why don't you thank these kind gentlemen for bringing you back safely? Bite me. And, and then I think it's best for you to just go to bed. We will talk about this in the morning. Fine. I'm going to bed. So you head off upstairs. Are you climbing into bed straight away? Uh, I'm looking for my dog. Nettles is there. He kind of, he just, he just, he just kind of prick up as you come in. And he's like, oh? It's very bad stuff is happening. Um, Where were he, you? He looks at you blankly. Oh, talk to me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, crap. He just kind of slumps into, like, just sits down. Like, not climbing into bed, just, like, slumps back down. He's exhausted. Been running around all day. Ate garbage. (laughs) Bill armor. Ugh. Don't know what to do. Like, just, I think, I think Dee just kind of, like, 
lays back sideways in the bed, doesn't doesn't even get changed, just lays back and just like ends up passing out out of just exhaustion. Okay, so you drift off to sleep. You're gonna have a dream. Oh. Um I'd like you to tell me what, what you see in this dream. This is your dream. Okay. Alright. Um Ugh, I'm bad at dreams. Last time I made a dream, I spent like a week like coming up with it. So I think in the dream, D is like sat down at that desk, like uh, in the brainwashing room. Okay. It's just ever. It's it's just the desk. Thing else is just it's just black and like D cannot move. All of a sudden, all the all the all the screens start just like popping up, and it's just instead of like all those horrific images, and it's just you know all the people that D got in fights with back in the states. Okay. Just all like the just the nasty that they were saying. So what? What's just to be like popping up in the in like the middle of the room while all the happening? around let's see uh yeah like stuff like like sally pops up but she just like is like staring at d like she just like floats up from the floor she's staring at d and just starts floating away just farther and farther and farther and farther and farther away there's that there's that uh just that ear-shattering roar of the bog off, like, distantly in the background, and all this time, Dee's just struggling and trying to move. It's just stuck. Cannot move. Cannot escape. Cannot go. Thistledown pops up, and she's just like, just gun right to the face, pulls the trigger, disappears. Dee's just Stuck there staring at it. Not cool. Don't like that. Okay. Can I ask you now to make a grit roll, please? Yeah. Eleven. As you're having a dream, and as these things are appearing before you, as the screens flicker, uh, you become aware of the sound of a creak that sounds a little bit otherworldly, like it shouldn't be there. And then you hear a thud, followed by another thud, followed by another thud, and followed by another thud. They're all like that. Uh, okay. What does Dream D want to do? Uh, Dream D wants to get up and run as far away from here as possible, but Dream D is stuck. I'm going to say that with that 11... At the moment, you're like you're fully invested in Dream D. You're not aware that it's a dream, okay? Yeah. The thud continues. The images flicker. The people in your life continue to appear, and you continue to struggle. And all of a sudden, you feel your body lurch forward. You open your eyes just in time to see the face of Uncle Thomas staring at you as a damp rag is placed over your face.
and you black out. And I'm going to leave it there for tonight. I'm getting kidnapped by my own uncle. <laughs> yeah, that was always going to be the end point. That's what I figured. <laughs> we have gone to some <laughs> insane places tonight that I wasn't expecting to at all. Yeah. But I'm assuming you were expecting me to just, like, <laughs> bounce. What do you mean? Like, just take off from the school. I had that in mind. I thought you might do, just because you had that option. I knew you would probably go to the Elysium, but I suddenly, when you suddenly said, right, I'm just going to hold up here, I was like, oh, okay, that <laughs> well, might be I mean, tricky. Like, yeah, I think, I think D was, I don't know, like, I think D was in a, okay, I've got to prep. I can't just run out there and start smashing stuff with my bat, no matter how tempting that is. I've got to, I've got to prep. I've got to figure out my resources, and I'm not smart, so I gotta take my time with this. Otherwise, I'm going to, I don't know, get kidnapped by my uncle. <laughs> how was that for you? Was it all right? I had absolute, just an absolute blast. That was a good time. I I can honestly say was not accept, expecting to be put into the re-education class. <laughs> like, I was expecting things to get, like, pretty sketchy and maybe, like, the people were going to start, like, you know, having to chant mantras in class or something. Was not expecting a brainwashing machine. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, the whole point is, is we've we've got to get to that marsh. So that's that's D's story pretty much over now until Saturday. You heard it here, kids. D's dead. <laughs> so thank you once again for joining us on this special one-on-one, somewhat dark, somewhat bonkers episode of Brits on Bikes. Yeah, I think um, it's a pretty funny one. <laughs> I would like to say a, a very, very big thank you to the wonderful Eve for a fantastic job. As always, you can contact us via Twitter. Our handle is at Brits underscore bikes. You can reach me at Jimmy Sprinkles. That's two S's on the end. And Eve, where can they get hold of you? At Copper Harpy. Uh, that's copper as in the metal, harpy as in the bird monster. As always, if you're interested in, in investing a bit more into, into Brits on Bikes, then we do have a Patreon, and that's uh, Patreon slash Brits on Bikes. And, ooh, ooh, and also, because we don't do enough of it, we should promote our Discord as well. It's, it's been a, it, it, When we first started, it was a little bit quiet, but it's starting to really liven up now. We're getting a real nice, lovely, wonderful community of people who just want to know more about Dean and Sally. So um, <laughs> come and join us. You can find the invite on our Twitter page. Yeah, and we'd love to have you along and we'd love to meet and find out what it is that entices some of you to, to keep coming back for more. So from Eve, it's bye. And from me, Jimmy Sprinkles, it's keep on biking. Bye-bye. Oh, hello. Come in, take a seat, why don't you? Let me pour you a drink. <laughs> don't worry about that. This one's on the house. You know, I've had all sorts pass through here over the years, and they've all got stories to share. 
Yeah, I've had Kelly Perkins, a hero from Earth sent to save a colony on Mars, no less. I've had Captain Thomas Burton. He was in the British Army during the First World War, don't you know? Came face to face with a mythical beast from beyond the stars. <laughs> and then there was Fen Falstock, a bounty hunter from a galaxy far, far away. And on this particular job, his life got turned upside down. Fate's a fickle mistress, but she always leaves us with a tale to tell. And something I've noticed about these tales over the years is they all start the same way. That adventurer comes in and they order their drink and they say to me, Barkeep, let me tell you a story. And then they look me square in the eye and they say, it all started with the Game Master and me. To find out more, follow us on Twitter at the GM and me or visit our website, thegamemasterandme.com.